Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Slide on into this one. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm there Cass. It is. I'm Emma, and this is Honey Do Me Podcast. We talk about sex, feeling good in your body, learning what you like, what gets you going, hot and heavy, all of that, and what we've learned from Emma in takes that will not be released because we fucked them all up <laughs> is that she just likes her name being said to her. <laughs> I, I do. I know. I don't know. I just, no one really says my name. Just... No one, you're not here anymore, and you just used to scream it all the time. And my boss calls me Irma, so that's not my name. And I don't have a lover in my bed saying it. So, <laughs> and so it those just, are the three options, and it leaves me gone. tickled when I hear it. Yeah. So, call me Emily, and <laughs> <laughs> that was very good timing for your dog this week. Can we chill, please? God. Call me ah. Emily and I'll blow my squeaker. <laughs> God, yeah, imagine it hearing that in bed. I'm going to blow my squeaker. A little tip from us experts over here. Uh, use that for your dirty talk. It does feel really intimate to say somebody's name. I didn't mean it in an intimate way when I said your name, unless that's how you want it. But even oh, when I say like my husband's name, I'm like, oh, I don't say your name a lot. <laughs> like It feels no. interesting. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I like it, and it it tickles. Um, so let's blow our squeakers over this episode today. We are speaking with Jen Meyer, because we are in our non-monogamy series this month, and uh, you know what's up next, obvious. It's like the obvious next step. It's cuckolding. Yeah. You know? It goes non-monogamy. <laughs> threesomes and cuckolding. Cuckolding. <laughs> Those are Absolutely. the steps to heaven. It just <laughs> cuckolding reminds me if I had to picture it as a picture, cupping of balls. It does sound more like that than what is cupping of balls? What what is that called? Cupping. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> I was thinking it's like a, a tea bag of the hand, but I wanted a, a more scientific word for hand. Can I hand dip your balls? <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. I think, I don't know. So cuckolding, that's what it looks like in my head. Mm -hmm. 
It's not. And that's not even what it means. That's not at all what it means. And we didn't really know what it meant going in. Yeah. Uh, but we had a little bit more of an idea of what it meant. But we'll let Jen Meyer explain all of that. Um, Jen is a licensed <laughs> therapist, a terrible clinical <laughs> supervisor, and sexuality educator. So all of the things that you want her to be to learn about these kinds of topics. And she specializes in areas of kink and consensual non-monogamy. Um, so she has all the answers. And she's great. And it was just so mm-hmm. fun to learn about something that we know truly nothing about. Yeah. So the questions came deep from like within our bodies because I yeah. just had no idea. And then they just kept coming straight from out the anus. of me. Straight from the anus, straight from my squeaker throughout mm-hmm. the whole episode. Um, it was so interesting. She did such a beautiful job explaining first the history of it, where it came from. And where does it go? So. <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? We're going to go to the other side, Joe. All that right. was my well, fade out to the other side. I like so. that. So we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Hey, bye. We've been curious for a long time. Um, have no idea where to start, but we would just love to start with a definition of cuckolding. Yeah. Well, how about before we get into definitions, I just ask the both of you, what have you heard? What have you seen? What is out there? Because there's some really interesting portrayals of what cuckolding mm-hmm. looks like and includes. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to be totally honest, my only knowledge of cuckolding is from uh, Crazy Stupid Love <laughs> when they're like, I was cuckolded by David Linhagen. And that was when his wife cheated on him. <laughs> And so, uh-huh. and he just said cuckold like 700 times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Cass, how about for you? I think for me, I've generally heard the term cuck used in a bad way. Like, oh, you're such a fucking cuck. Like, mm-hmm. to hurt somebody's feelings. I, that's like a very soft way of putting it. But just like, I don't know, to say something bad about somebody. And so I feel Mm -hmm. like I've only really heard it in this negative context, but then doing this podcast and talking with so many different people in the sex education world, I've learned like, oh, I think it's a little bit more than that. And I think people can engage in different things in like these very consensual, positive ways. Um, So I'm curious to learn how that relates to cuckolding. Well, I love that the both of you um, are already coming to the table with some pretty pretty good first step understandings of what it's all about. Um, Because historically, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, um, it, it, it was a big slur. It's been a slur. I remember first coming across it myself, um, Shakespeare. I studied a lot of English. I studied Shakespeare. And so that was a big slur. Like worst thing you could do as a man was to be a cuck. Um, And we'll talk about why that is um, as we, maybe get a little bit deeper into the conversation and the, and you're asking me questions and everything. But in general, we're talking about um, a man. The, the original definition was uh, cuckold is a man whose wife is cheating on him without his understanding behind his back, without his knowledge. Um, that was the gist of it. She's a demon whore, excuse my language, um, and he's a dope. He's being duped, right, by the mm-hmm. demon whore, uh, and um, and and now the way we see it being used in kind of kink or consensual non-monogamy spaces is that we're talking more about 
a woman being able to explore her sexuality and express herself more openly. And the man is usually um, taking a back seat. Um, It's with his knowledge. It's infidelity, if you will. Um, It can be played out in that way in these scenes or these scenarios that people will engage in together. But uh, everybody is on board. Everything is above mm-hmm. board. That's how it should be done. If you're doing it truly in a consensual non-monogamous way or under kink, like the umbrella of kink. Okay. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So yeah. perfect. the man perfect, is perfect. the cuck hold or the cuck. And that is yep. the slur we're talking about. Cause it's kind of like a dope. Um, yep. Are the other two players, do they have names? <laughs> I love names. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So if we're talking about traditionally, and it's all over the place now, but I'm going to keep it to um, how it was used originally, more heteronormative Mm -hmm. versions, and then we can expand from there. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're talking about the cuck, who is the husband often, or the partner who is being duped. Um, he is the one who is being cheated on. We've got the cuckoldress, who is the female who uh, will be having sex with other partners. And usually that third partner, that third entity is known as the bull. Okay. Uh, it can be a, a well-endowed man. Um, it may or may not be, uh, often historically, um, there were racial components where the bull was a well-endowed black-bodied man, African-American man. And, uh, it, it was a way for, um, the woman to sort of dress down. If we're looking at, um, the kink version of it, where there could be degradation or humiliation, that isn't always the case in these, in these situations, um, in these dynamics, but uh, it was a way for the man to sort of be put on his pace. He's a place. He's more passive. Um, the traditional cuck was more passive in those roles. Um, okay. And we see it show up in a couple of different ways. Um, with kink, when there is that de- degradation, humiliation uh, component to it. And then when there isn't, and it's more the hot wifing, which kind of wife swapping or sharing, um, or excuse me, wife sharing um, might be a more general or universal universal um, term for it. When you're talking about hot wifing that comes more in the swinger community, the, the male partner will be a little bit more active. Hey, look at my hot wife. Hey, we're doing this activity together. I also am having sex with other partners as are you, um, but I am loving your empowerment um around your sexuality and i like seeing that come out in you does that make Mm -hmm. sense okay yeah fantastic i feel like you're already touching on it a little bit but like what is the turn on in cuckolding like is like is there a general turn on does it just depend on the person yeah yeah so when it comes to uh it does depend on the 
person, just like so much I'm sure you've been hearing. I've listened to a few of your podcasts now just to get a sense for like, who am I talking to? I'm very excited to like talk to these two individuals who are doing wonderful work and helping people to be in touch with their own sexuality and making everything okay. I love the work that you're doing from what I've heard so far. It's great. Um, But uh, everybody's different. Human sexuality is complex. Um, That's so much of what I'm doing is uh, taking a step back and helping people to unpack what is motivating them to come to the table uh, to these sexual dynamics. So if we're talking about the cuck, what might cause a cuck to show up to this type of relationship dynamic is that maybe he prefers to be submissive. Maybe he likes to take a passive role. Um, A turn on might be uh, a strong female lead or a female led relationship. It could take pressure off if uh, this person deals with a lot of anxiety, Um, could take pressure off the person who is the cuck needing to be in charge of any of the sexual dynamics. You're in charge. I can't screw up. You're going to um, do whatever you do. um, And I'm not breaking any rules or maybe I like to be humiliated and degraded. And I'm finding a way to flip that fear of being humiliated and degraded into something that is erotic and sexually exciting. So uh, I'm going to, um, watch you engage with other men and allow any of the elevated energy that I feel in my body to register more as hot. Um, there are other motivations at play too. Um, we see men sometimes getting involved in this because they may have grown up with really stringent, moral, um, religious values And they may have some bi-curiosity of their own, um, bisexual tendencies of their own, same-sex interests of their own. And if they are leaning into those interests as a part of these sexual dynamics, these cuckolding dynamics, um, then it's not not their fault. Mm -hmm. It's not on them. They get to take a step back from maybe the ownership of that a little bit and make it okay so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So either through watching their their female partner with another man Mm -hmm. and using that as like a vehicle. um, I know Dr. Lay will refer to that as, um, oh, what does he call it? He calls it vicarious bisexuality. So through watching my female partner with another man and knowing what her pleasure looks like, how it registers for her, I can now experience what it's like to be with a man vicariously. Um, Another way that shows up is that sometimes a part of these dynamics is that the cuck will be uh, a part of fluffing or prepping the bull to be with his wife through oral sex or something else, um, and sometimes cleaning up after the bull. So after he has ejaculated, um, maybe cleaning up after the bull orally or some other way. Um, and so it can be vicarious or it can be very real. Very real, very hands-on. <laughs> very real and very hands-on, exactly. But typically um, the cuck isn't participating sexually, physically, like they are 
watching, they are cleaning, they are after their second. So this is where it gets a little complex and it's really individualized. Okay. So when I'm thinking about, um, because one of my specialty areas is kink, um, when I'm thinking about the kink, um, more dominant, submissive power over dynamic that can show up if you're playing with this type of dynamic from that perspective, then yes, the person's probably going to be passive in some way. They're watching, they're listening. Sometimes they're bound. They're not allowed to touch themselves. There can be all kinds of rules. Like you might be turned on, but you don't get to. Um, sometimes part of the scenario might be the woman, um, the the cuckoldress or the bull saying things like you can't please your wife like I can, or his, his cock is so much bigger than yours. Oh my God. I love it. It feels so much better than when you're trying to do things to me. So it can get, um, pretty graphic (laughs) in terms of like how people are using language, Uh um, Mm -hmm. to sort of excuse my language, but like mind fuck each other. Mm Um, and you know, when I think about, uh, the vicarious bisexuality, um, kind of forced bisexuality, um, or the humiliation aspects that go, can go along with it. Those are all motivators. Um, uh, other motivators can be like, it's really hot to see my wife, um, turned on. Um, I like to see things that are real. And when I watch, I know how my wife looks, or I know how my partner looks when they are really turned on. And watching them experience pleasure, I know what that looks like. And I know it's real when they're doing it with this person. When I watch porn, I don't know if that person's acting or if it's real. So it's not as much of a turn on than actually seeing my partner and knowing how their pleasure registers, knowing that it's real. I hear that all the time in in lots of different ways from clients in my office. They want to know it's real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get that to an extent. I prefer the uh, porn site <laughs> that we go to, I was going to say, but that we've talked about before, Cass, um, Balesa, where I know that these two actors have agreed that they're like interested in each other. Like they would be interested right. in the scene together. So I know that at least what they're doing, they chose to be there with those people. So I kind of get that aspect of what you're saying mm-hmm. with like the realness too. Yeah, that makes so much that makes so much sense and what we see in ethical porn. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that a lot of a lot of people, specifically a, a lot of female bodied folks, um, they'll they'll say that they appreciate the ethical porn because then they know that there's some sort of connection or relationship, or they're much more likely to believe and relax into the porn because they're likely to believe that there's real connection mm-hmm. between those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to ask this question because it's not coming from a place of this is what I believe, but I want to hear you respond to it. Is there anything inherently wrong or humiliating about being a cuck? Like, should someone be ashamed that they have these interests? Because I feel like in society, it is like because we use cuck as a slur towards people, it's definitely shameful. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I take the word should and I throw it away all the time and I have my clients do the same. So I don't know that anyone should feel ashamed of anything. Um, But if there is shame, my job as a sex therapist is to help people unpack that shame. 
right? And that's what I work with my supervisees to learn how to do too. Um, I'm a supervisor for aspiring sex therapists, and that's what we talk about. How do you take a step back, unpack things with the person or the couple or the people sitting in front of you? and um, get them to better understand themselves, their motivations for why they're showing up to this, why this is a fantasy or interest of of theirs, whether they want to make it a reality or it's just a fantasy. Um, one of the things that I do when I'm first working with folks is I we have conversations. I'll have them watch videos, Brene Brown videos on vulnerability and shame, because those two things are, I don't, I hate to say always, but like always in some way, shape or form are showing up in my office. They are. And so I'm talking to people about vulnerability. I'm talking to people about shame. And if they're feeling shame, why are they feeling shame? What kind of messages did they get about sex and sexuality growing up? What kind of messages did they get about masculinity growing up and what that means, what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Okay. What if a part of the turn on is that you feel shame and you enjoy the fact that you're feeling shameful in this moment and humiliated, how do you Mm -hmm. process that in a healthy way before, during, and after? And like, should you be working to a point where you're like faking shame almost, you know, so it's not that impactful to you? Like, I don't know if that makes sense where it's like, oh, I'm ashamed, but it's like really you're processing it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, before, during, and after, all good times to talk about this. During can be a little bit more of a challenge um, unless you're sort of calling a safe word and backing out of the scenario. Um, That would probably be where you see that a bit more. But before, absolutely. Um, Lots of negotiation, lots of education um, beforehand. That's what I love that I'm seeing. That's a big shift and change that I'm seeing now is as younger generations are more accepting of sexual differences, enjoying a wide spectrum of um, orientation, preferences, um, just orientation, grounding points for themselves. There seems to be a lot more um, a lot more folks doing their due diligence ahead of time, whether they're reading a book, listening to podcasts, getting on um, forums, blogs, any kind of internet communities where they can start to learn a little bit more so that they can navigate it better. Because a lot of times those conversations ahead of time, like just because I want to be degraded and humiliated doesn't mean that I want to, that part of it for me is hearing how much bigger this partner's penis is than mine or how much better at sex this person is than I am. Um, That might not be a part of what makes it feel digestible for me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And afterward, if, because pain points happen, when you start to play and explore and experiment with these different types of dynamics, you're bound to make a mistake. Somebody's bound to make a mistake, step on um, some sort of old wound um, or scar tissue. And so knowing how to be able to have a conversation afterwards and and having plans for what that looks like after care, um, talking about a scene and talking about what worked, what didn't, that's going to be key. And to helping this be... 
um, something that you can continue to lean into um, and to integrate into your into your life and your sex world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What about the impacts of a cuckolding fantasy? Like, is there anything wrong with having a cuckolding fantasy? Are there any negative impacts on your relationship when you engage in cuckolding or are there positive impacts? <laughs> well, I would say that when it comes to a lot of these dynamics, whether it's cuckolding or any other type of kinky dynamics, uh, we see a lot of focus on being, I I say communication ninjas, (laughs) Um, but you really need to be solid with your ability to communicate your wants, your needs. Um, You also need to have pretty solid negotiation skills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How are you negotiating these agreements? before, during, and after mm-hmm. with new partners, because some folks are doing it with people who are long-term, they're in long-term relationships with. Maybe it's a good friend to their relationship. Other people are out there and they're dating or they're finding people, um, random, I shouldn't say random, but they're they're having shorter-term relationships, maybe even one-night um, relationships with another and bringing it back to their partner. Um, so there isn't, anything wrong, I would say. I don't believe that there's anything wrong with this, but it's how we manage everything around it, how we talk about it, how we navigate, how we integrate any of these interests into our life that can make it feel bad Mm -hmm. for folks. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a lot of positives. I mean, all good sex comes with like good communication, I feel like. And so especially when we're getting into trickier scenarios or scenes, good communication, like that's just going to strengthen interpersonally, like for yourself, you'll get clarity on what you're interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then to that, how do you know, is there anything that like goes hand in hand with cuckolding that would be like, ah, I could potentially be into something like cuckold play cuckold play <laughs> i don't know sure sure we'll go with cuckold play yeah. the communicative competence of sound go for it <laughs> that was my sentence jen <laughs> um, yeah like what how do you know if maybe like that could be for you is to like dabble in cuckolding yeah so i mean one thing that you want to do is in the beginning of this if you're if for some reason for many people who have these different interests um, sexual interests, many of them will know at a young age um, that something, wow, all of my friends are into this, but gosh, you know, when I was thinking about getting captured, I kind of wanted to see what was going to happen if I didn't get rescued. I didn't really want to get rescued. What naughty things were going to happen? Um, and they'll know at a young age, like around seven. I've had people who know at like five or six that they have a different kind of sexual interest. Mm-hmm. With cuckolding, um, something might be something where I see an overlap would be uh, somebody who's interested in a female-led relationship. Um, somebody who maybe is potentially into uh, chastity of some sort, uh, a male or a person in general, as we start to expand and this becomes more fluid because it's not just necessarily tied to masculinity. It could be tied to other things too, in terms of the underlying motivators for folks, mm-hmm. um, being more submissive, 
being more submissive. And this could be a, a path to experiencing that, having a partner who says, this is what I want and you're going to sit there. Um, maybe somebody who is a little bit more of a masochist that could show up too. There could be some overlap there as well. Um, somebody who's really interested in having someone have be more dominant or have power over, have a master um, or a mistress, um, that could be part of it too. That's where we might see some overlap. And then you might see the person like, this is just their specific flavor. Like Rocky Road looks like this and I'm into Superman and we're going to go over <laughs> here to Superman ice cream, you know? So love that. That's a lot of good indicators of how to expand your play. So if you've kind of started to make that connection and you're like, oh, you know, I'm really interested in this. Maybe I would really like cuckolding. Mm -hmm. How do you start to involve yourself in that? So in, in the kink world, uh, there are things called, and that you might've already come across this or heard about this already from some other folks you've had on your podcast, but uh, munches. And um, ha have you heard of munches uh -uh. or sloshes? No. no. Okay. So um, that that can be <laughs> munches are are around like food usually in restaurants, and sloshes tend to be in bars. Um, but it's you would want to find some sort of community, like maybe FetLife would be a good start where you go onto FetLife, you sign up, you get a profile, and then you just, you look at all the different interests that are out there, the different interest groups, like subgroups, and you find out where they're meeting, where you're going to find other like-minded folks. Okay. Um, one that I recently learned about, about a year, year and a half ago, um, Venus, uh, Venus connections, which is, uh, it's, are you familiar with this one? Venus connection, like Venus cuckoldress. <laughs> so, uh, Venus cuckoldress, her, her story essentially is that she, she was a female interested in this lifestyle. More often, the typical, the way this tends to happen is that a male will have interest in this and bring it to a female partner. At least historically, that's what we've seen in the little research that has been done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so, and I see this a lot with a lot of different kinky interests. Male brings it to the table, brings it to a female partner, and then they're in my office and they're like, how do we navigate? Or somebody brings it to their partner and they're like, um, I tried to share with my partner. I've been thinking about this for years. I just let them in to this part of me. And their partner is like, what the hell does this mean? Ah, am I not enough? Do you not like the sex we're having? Like, what's wrong? Um, and so those tend to be how it shows up in my office. Mm -hmm. But uh when we're talking about somebody like Venus Cuckoldress, she set up this dating app because she thought, gosh, there are two ways that I can get my needs met, my sexual needs met here. I can go on a dating app and find somebody just in a more generic way. And eventually, as we get to know each other, let them know this is a sexual interest of mine or maybe I could go into lifestyle spaces, find somebody who has this interest already and try to build a relationship for there for, from that point. Mm -hmm. And this is um, why she started this matchmaking app. And it's intended for single people who are interested in this lifestyle so that they can meet. And it's like, it, that's already 
in their awareness. Mm-hmm. Hey, we like this. Skipping so many steps. I love that. Yeah. That and a lot of people need information and you can get all kinds of great information from uh if you if you listen to podcasts where uh Dr. David Lay is speaking about things often he'll have good ideas about where to turn to um a lot of the the reddit or subreddit um subreddit online chat areas. I don't even know like what subreddits. I don't even know the language or I'm getting too old for all the technology <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, the subreddits that are on cuckolding or even um, you'll see a lot of people go into discord. There's a lot happening on discord these days, a lot of kinky folks on discord. So just a couple of spaces where you could start to Enter into a community, online community, and then start to understand where can I start to do in-person things? Where can I start to meet people who are like-minded or into have this sexual interest, this taste? Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? 100%. Yes. I okay, love great. that there's a way to start engaging when it's just communication and just kind of like witnessing the space before actually having mm-hmm. to like physically enter it. Touching on one of the things that you said with your clients, um, feeling like they're not enough. So the theme for this like series that we're doing is non-monogamy. And that's something that I think about a lot is if my partner brought something like cuckolding to me and talked about wanting to engage in it, that that would probably be my gut reaction. Even having learned a lot about ethical non-monogamy is, oh, so I'm not enough. You want more people. You want more of whatever I'm not sure. able to give to you. How... I guess on both ends, if you're wanting to, if you're the one wanting to start engaging in cuckolding or if you're the one being approached with it, like, are there phrases you can use or is this something that should always be done with a sex therapist? What can you do to kind of pad that conversation so it's as comfortable and non-triggering as possible? Well, I mean, before we were talking about solid communication being a key factor in having any types of these these kind of kinky dynamics go well or open dynamics go well. I, I use the umbrella term open for all kinds of consensual non-monogamy, but um, it, communication, definitely important. Negotiation skills, definitely important. Something that I don't hear as much about in the training, but I think that it should be a part of it because I think it's an important adult skill that I see a huge need for more and more since the pandemic. It seems to be cropping up, just kind of jumping out at me more and more in the past eight to 10 years, pandemic time be damned. Um, But uh, self-regulation skills, the ability to kind of breathe through tough stuff and be show up in a more responsive versus reactive way when your partner shares. Now, a real common misstep for people when they have a sexual interest and they're finally bringing it to a partner is that they can sometimes come off a little overly excited or overzealous. (laughs) And that is like, it's like, no, no, your audience, your audience, you're, mm-hmm. you've been thinking about this for five years or a majority of your life. Your partner is brand new to this information. Mm-hmm. You've got to give them a chance. You've got to put it out there. Maybe even give them a chance to digest it a little bit. Okay. Now that's for the person sharing the information. If I'm talking about the person receiving the information, the way you were just speaking to a Cass, I would say like, if you're able to taking that deep breath, trying to suspend judgment and get curious. It's really hard for us to be in a place of judgment when we're coming from a place of sincere curiosity. Mm -hmm. What interests you about this lifestyle? 
how long have you known that this is something that is of interest to you? What do you like? Like, what do you know about it so far? What do you want me to know right now? This, it sounds like this is something that is more than, uh, a behavior that you want or a, an interest that you have in your fantasy that you want to keep up here where we can just talk about it and have it be titillating and that's enough. You want to, you want to make, turn this into action. Mm -hmm. You, you want to actualize this stuff. Okay. So how might we be able to do it together? And then this is where it's fair for the person in your position, Cass, if you're the one who's having this this type of lifestyle or dynamic introduced to you, to say, I might need a little time to digest it. Can you give me some things that you have been looking at, resources you've been looking at? Um, I studied interpersonal communication and social psychology originally when I was in undergrad a long time ago. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am a firm believer in a common language of creating a common language with our partners, having that there, because then we can come back to the table. It can make it can really create a smoother glide path for good communication all along the way. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it doesn't guarantee it, but it helps. Yeah. Common language. That's huge. A common language. Cass, would you say, like, I don't know where your conversations with Jurgen have been recently. I know we've always talked about, like, open relationship dynamics. Mm -hmm. Would you guys say that you guys are, like, open to that conversation still? Or who would have the idea first between the two of you? We, since starting, so Jurgen's my husband. Um, since starting the podcast, I feel like we've had a lot of conversations about just like, would you be interested in this? Is this something you're curious about? Not in a, like, I really want to do this. So are you curious about it? So I think we just constantly are having those kinds of conversations. So I don't think it would be shocking if either of us brought that to the other. I just don't think that's something either of us are interested in at this point in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but I think both of us are just open to wherever our relationship needs to go next or wherever one of us wants it to go next because we've just been having those conversations for years. Right. Um, yeah. So I think we're both like prepped for it, common <laughs> but yeah, exactly. We have common language. We could definitely have a million conversations, but right. yeah, it's just not where it's not either of our interests right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but there's always it, the future. Always the future. You have forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then a question for both of you is, do you feel like non-monogamy and that type of lifestyle is something like that we're born with? Or do you think that's something we can come around to? Let's say if you're with a partner who is like loves the non-monogamy lifestyle, but you've just always been monogamous. Like, do you think that those are always going to be like separate paths or could they merge at some point? I mean, I don't think that they need to be diametrically opposed uh, mm -hmm. for any stretch of the mind because I I think about what we're seeing so far in the research that has been done mostly by Dr. Lay. Um, but uh, what we're seeing is that the typical person, while we're seeing younger people getting involved, more often than not, it's people who are in their 40s. Mm. Um, it's people who have already had children or their kids are at a more independent stage, developmental stage. 
And uh, they're just looking to spice up their sex life and they're looking to really drop into their fantasies um, and just keep things hot and exciting, feeling novel. Yeah. And this is just one of the many avenues, many, many ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I love that answer. I do too. <laughs> I feel like you're going to think about it in a way of it might be a cool experience to have together. You know, like that's how we've thought of it is like, oh, well, that like we just want to have experiences together in this lifetime. And we've had some experiences recently. We, uh, went to a sex club, Emma and my husband and I. Um, And I just feel like, I don't know. So I think that's why we're open to it, just because I don't want to say no to fun, exciting experiences that could, like, I don't know, make me a better human Um, or just make me more excited about life and all those kinds of things. What about you, Em? What do you think? Well, I'm just thinking in terms of, like, starting out a relationship rather than being in one for a while and – one person coming in with these interests of exploring things like sex clubs, threesomes, consensual monogamy, and then being with someone who's never been interested in that type of a life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I honestly think in a relationship, I'm not that person that's interested, but as a single person right now, I'm so curious. Um, But I don't know how I would – I don't know if I could ever be someone in a relationship that's, like, open to bringing other people into our relationship. And I don't know if I would ever work with someone who is, like, very curious about that and someone who's always been non-monogamous. So Who needed I don't know. In a part of me, it it feels like it's, like, born within me. I just don't think long-term I'd ever be someone that sought out more than, like, a one-off experience. It wouldn't be like a lifestyle for me. So in that way, I think it's like something you're <laughs> kind of born with in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even um, what what I know gets put out there right now in terms of like, how do you do this? How do you do this well? Um, some other common factors, we've talked about communication. We've talked about na- navigating, being able to navigate, negotiate agreements. We've talked about um, the ability to self-regulate. Um I would say there's also like the Mm self-awareness and also uh, when I think about self-awareness, I think about what's your personality. When I'm talking about people doing due diligence, whether it's about open dynamics or kink dynamics, whatever it may be, it's like know thyself. And, um, you know, where are you? Are you really agreeable? Are you really open to new experiences? Are you a bigger sensation seeker or sexual sensation seeker or are you less so? Right. You could be really open minded and be a a big time sensation seeker or sexual sensation seeker and still cuckolding, hot wifing, not your jam. Mm -hmm. You know, don't want to yuck anyone else's yum, but that's just not my that's just not for me. Okay. Yeah, totally fine. I feel like I could see myself playing with flirtation boundaries and like in that way opening up outside attention to like bring in excitement to my partnership because I love like the flirtation jealousy and kind of visually seeing like something that doesn't necessarily cross my boundaries, but, or definitely doesn't cross my boundaries, (laughs) but also doesn't get anywhere like physically dangerous for me. Um, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to see. And like, it's fun to see where 
I've evolved to cast, you know, you and Jurgen's mm-hmm. conversations. It's just, it's constantly changes as you learn more. I don't know. It's so fascinating. Oh, Mm-hmm. Have you seen the, I think it's like a short film called The Girlfriend Game. No, I, I think, so. think you can just go on YouTube and find it, but it's, it, I believe it's called The Girlfriend Game and um, it's, uh, it, it, it kind of looks at the, a cuckolding experience, but it shows the buildup of it oh. where this couple, um, male and female, go into a bar and, um, they pretend not to know each other. And she intentionally is having other men flirt with her and pick up on her. And they continue to take it a little bit further, a little bit further. And then the way this short film ends is she, they have a little bit of an altercation. She actually goes home with a third person and he sort of follows her and watches and can hear her having a, a sexual encounter with this other person and it turns him on. At the end, you're kind of left with the way they end this artistic short film is, was that consensual? Mm. <laughs> what, did they take that degradation or humiliation? Is Was that all part of the play? Or... Did that just go outside the bounds of the agreement and there's a broken agreement? Mm-hmm. Oh, so interesting. And you kind of are left with this, like, I don't know how to feel mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. this. Yeah, that's fascinating. Ooh, mm-hmm. I wrote it down, so we'll look it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. does cuckolding have to be, like, sexual? Could it just be that, like, in the bar flirting while, like, you know, like the cuck is sitting somewhere else and like the like there could still be all the same elements but no actual sex happening. You know, I would say Cass, my truth is that I would hate to define this for other people in this world and have it bite back at like be bitten for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just I get that clap back. Um but uh I mean historically, the whole point of the cuckold, it it comes from the history of it. If you're not familiar with the history of it, are you familiar with the history of it? Why we say cuck, cuckold? Okay. So um, back in like the 1500s, 1600s, I believe, um, might be 1400s, 1500s, there were naturalists who were studying birds and I'm a bird nerd. So I never thought that that part of my life and my sex therapy (laughs) part of my life would somehow come together, but here we are. Um, And they were watching the the breeding practices of the cuckoo bird and the cuckoo bird, cuckoo bird, I'm saying cuckoo bird to go along with (laughs) cock, but with the cuckoo bird, what the cuckoo bird does is it will lay its eggs in other birds, like other bird species nests. Mm -hmm. And the cuckoo bird tends to hatch first. It will eat all of the food. It will shove the eggs out of the nest or kill hatchlings, other hatchlings kind of compete for the resources, the food that this other parent bird is bringing back. And so the naturalist of that time said, this is what happens if your wife cheats on you. Um, and you don't know that you are raising your own child, your own biological child. And that person you end up raising um, someone else's kid and giving them all your wealth and resources. So you got to protect that. That's fascinating. I, I like <laughs> vaguely remember this from like an animal 
I took like a sexuality and like wildlife uh, class, but which is so fun. That is so fun. And and yeah, dirty bird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a jerk of a bird. Who goes yeah. jerks? Who knew? Smart, I guess. Like get yours, but. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Demon whore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, demon mm-hmm. whore. Mm-hmm. Demon whore. Uh, but no, it, and it's uh and and that's why you still see um you'll see this in the literature if you're not familiar, I'm sure at this point, with some of the people you've had on your podcast, you've heard of Justin Lay Miller, Dr. Justin Lay Miller, and his book, Tell Me What You Want, all about female about female fantasies, about fantasies in general. Um his the populations he looked at were in the United States, if memory serves. Um, but he um, he talks about how what he sees, I, if you've read the book, you'll see that he breaks it down to certain fantasies going with certain political leanings. Oh. So essentially yeah, whatever is taboo for you tends to be what you fantasize about. Um, that and, and, um, David, Dr. Lay's insatiable wives. Um, my, my takeaway when I read it was, oh, this is just about women who want to be able to be, live their sexual power. Like they want to just really embody it and bring it to the table and have that be true in their relationship and their partners support that. They are in the kind of relationships where they have partners who love that about them and support that. I, it was funny because I expected to walk away. I know everything about cuckolding. Mm-hmm. And my takeaway was, mm, no, this is just about like maybe women who are much more connected to the aspect of their high desire self and they can lean into that. And they are with partners who are not as maybe emasculated or if they are emasculated, they've turned it into this hot erotic energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, they just work on it together. They find ways to just use it, integrate it into their life so that it works for their spicing up their sex life. That is That's so an interesting. Couple. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> when you can use your like, not complicated because I feel like that has a negative connotation to it, but just complex like actual interests to better yourself and your relationship. You are like the cream of the crop of people. I think that is so cool to be able to use like how this works to better your communication, your relationship, like everything about yourself. That is so neat. I love it. It makes me happy and I love helping people to work on it. Um, For a lot of folks, they – this is where that due diligence comes in. I would say 10 years ago, even seven or eight years ago, often when people would come in with any of these dynamics, they came in after they sort of blew stuff up. So they were coming in and it's like, oh gosh, we've got to clean up broken trust concerns. We've got to come up with new agreements. We've got to get you, we've got to improve your conflict management skills and get Mm -hmm. you back on track just from a general like base level before we can really do the more, to me, the fun work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there can be growing pains. There's always growing pains with this stuff. But if you try to do the due diligence, and what I mean by that is understanding yourself. Are you a sensitive person? You might logically, I have a lot of people that come in, it's not logical to depend on one person for all things in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. That's all up here. Take it down here. 
Who are you as a person? Do you, do you tend to be a little bit more sensitive? Are you uber romantic where it's hard for you to move away from like a one and only, a soulmate? Um, are you a jealous person who might have a difficult time, a possessive person who might have a difficult time turning that into hot erotic energy for yourself, somehow spinning it for yourself? So much internal like reflection yeah. that not enough people do, just mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> and is this good timing? Mm-hmm. Is it good timing? I mean, this is something that we've been talking about for a while, but holy crap, you just lost your job. So maybe you're not feeling as good about yourself right now. Maybe you're you're working with less spoons or a less in bandwidth. Right. Yeah. And we've, we've got to wait until um, it's better timing for you or you're doing trauma work and you're not able to regulate as well because you're working with a little less or the world is on fire mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is scary. And ah, let's not make any changes right now. Right. Yeah. One of our last episodes of last season was with Dr. Liz Powell and we talked about humiliation and oh, degradation. Um and we talked about how, like I talked about how when I'm not feeling so great about myself, I don't want to be called like a slut or a whore in bed. But when I'm feeling mm-hmm. great about myself, I'm totally cool with it and it feels right. great. Right. Um, so yeah, I get the spoons thing. <laughs> One of the questions I had, and you've alluded to it a couple of times, but how does cuckolding transcend heterosexuality? Oh, gotcha. Okay. I had to think about how you worded that for a second there. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Um, No, that's okay. Um, Well, I mean, when you look at uh, Justin, going back to Leigh Miller's research, um, what he saw is that while a little over half, I think it's 52% numbers fall out of my head, emotional memory I've got, knowing your face, remembering your names, moving forward, knowing weird details about your life. I've got all that. Numbers fall right out of my head. But I'm pretty sure it's about 50, 52% of heterosexual men have fantasized about cuckolding. About a third of women. I want to say it's a little less than a third, like maybe like 27, 28% of women, heterosexual women um, have fantasized about this. Then we see it's like 66 something along the lines percent of gay men have fantasized about this. Okay. Um, and then we see something like somewhere in the 40s, closer to half, 45 to 50%, I think, of lesbian or bisexual women who have fantasized about this. So l- cuckolding fantasy shows up maybe the least for heterosexual women. So that's super interesting. When I say that and we're talking about what might that mean, what comes up for you? Be an armchair psychologist. I'm curious. Nobody knows yet. <laughs> I think heterosexual women are the least in touch with their sexuality. Mm. I think heterosexual because women it, yeah. have been the most well, I'm thinking about them being the cuckold. So never mind. I was gonna say are the most like screwed over by <laughs> heterosexual men so they don't want to play around with like infidelity but that's uh if they were the cuckold themselves so i don't know i don't know that's a very good i like being asked direct questions about um numbers and facts that's so curious what are your i hope it's okay i hope i'm not flipping it on you i don't mean to flip it on you i just um 
I get curious about masculinity. I get curious about like masculinity as a feeling, not necessarily giving it a gender or a sex, but just that part of ourselves. Um, like I have a more dominant masculine part to myself, uh, but I also am very f- feminine. I can be very feminine. I present very feminine in a lot of ways. Um, so I guess I just think about folks who maybe are bisexual or identify as lesbian. Um, maybe there's a little bit more, more of an attunement to that masculine side of themselves. And so to be emasculated in some traditional ways, like to be a cuck, like maybe that's a part of it, or maybe uh, it could be mostly about like facing our fears. There can be a rush in facing our fears. And if the fear is, oh my God, the worst thing that could happen to me is my partner would cheat on me or, oh my God, like, you know, I, I, I just can't, I can't fathom the idea of being, of being jealous, like these kinds of dynamics, because I'll just be too jealous. And that's just so scary for me. And I don't want to live in that space. I don't want to feel hurt all the time. I mean, it, it could be as simple as you're just turning that around and I'm interested or fantasize about it because our brains can try to make something that feels unreachable or unattainable attainable. And we sometimes do that erotically through our sexual, like we sexualize it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. See it a lot in kink. I'm sure you've heard this already, but like trauma Mm -hmm. and someone who isn't like a kink informed therapist or kink affirming therapist, they'll have somebody go to them. I had this, you know, sexual abuse or trauma in my past. Also in my current life, I'm kinky and the therapist who doesn't have the um, education um, or awareness might hyper-focus on like you're re-traumatizing yourself. Instead of understanding that in these kink dynamics, I mean, that's always possible, but if this person is doing it in a thoughtful, and I hate words like healthy, but a a thoughtful um, and considerate way of their partners and themselves, and they've done that due diligence, doing it in a kink space where even if they are identifying as a submissive, they're ultimately the ones who get to say the the safe word. They have power. In the past, in those other dynamics, when they were being abused and they were frozen and they were stuck, they didn't get to say when, but now they do. So it can be a way of taking one's power back, Mm -hmm. right? So when I think about like motivations and I think about cuckoldress, like a cuckoldress showing up, like why might they be interested in this? Well, for some, I'm I'm trying to think and I'm going to look because I actually had some quotes from folks who I've come across and talked Two, um, one person said, it's a way for me to snub the typical and more culturally acceptable role of woman as submissive and nice. I can subvert stereotypical gender roles that don't necessarily fit all the parts of my personality, and I get to embrace my independence and feel more empowered to want what I want and lean into my pleasure my way. I love that. I know I do too. As somebody who likes to help women get more in touch and grounded or connected to their sexual, well, like their sexual selves. Mm-hmm. I love when I get to hear, I'm like, go cuckoldresses, go, yeah. <laughs> go, 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 go with your bad selves. Yeah. I mean, another- it's like a quote from the Barbie movie. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet. La la la. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, another motivator, just because for me personally, and I'm trying to look at this for myself, it's my own stuff that I'm bringing to the table, but I've always been concerned about the bull 
And if the person is a black bodied individual, if the focus is BBC or big black hawk, um, how is that maybe dehumanizing? How does that get into like colonialism and racism, slavery, like all those kinds of themes, those tropes that we've had in our, in our society mm-hmm. that have been problematic and taboo. And I always worried about that person, that role. And we, we talked about like the three different, like if we're talking about a triangle or three roles, the bull's role. And I guess um, one thing that helped me, there are a couple things that helped me to like shift my thinking or my concerns or worry about the per, the people who identified as bulls being dehumanized. And I'm sure that does happen when people aren't really thoughtfully entering into these relationship dynamics. Um, but one bull shared with me, and I loved what he said, it just it shifted everything for me. But he said, growing up, I felt like I had to suppress my sexuality and sensuality. As a black man in American society, historically, my sexuality was weaponized. I see being a bull as being a way for me to give love and be of service to a lot of women who are attracted to what I bring to the table. So for him, it's like essentially liberation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so Interesting. Wow. That is amazing. First of all, that you have these like excerpts from people who are participating. And Mm -hmm. I also just did that where like this whole interview, I wasn't even considering like what the bull was going through. I was like, oh, that's not really a part of the equation. They're, they're there, (laughs) but it's like, that's so real. Their experience is just as valid. Obviously they're just as much of a key player. And what does that mean? And what does that look like for that person? It's mm-hmm. so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And again, these are just stories. I mean, these are these are just personal, like very individualized, unique statements from folks and how they are experiencing things. But uh, to me, I think it helps to round off, uh, round out the conversation and humanize the conversation absolutely. in general. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of talking about birds and their breeding <laughs> tendencies. Wait, <laughs> what? What are we doing? <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) That was amazing and so incredible. Is there anything you felt like you didn't touch on? I'm so glad you brought up the bull perspective and hopefully in another episode, one day down the line, we could go further into like different perspectives of coupling, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love it. And then finally, just kind of coming into the to the bull space again, just because I like to round things out. I want to make sure all the players are spoken about here because they're all important. Um, but uh, seeing a lot more men, what David said he's hearing is that historically, um, men will get paid to be will be paid to be bulls. Like we'll fly you out. We want you to do this kind of hired as a sec like for sex work as a bull. But often it would be done in like male relationships where it's happening in same sex male relationships. And now they're seeing, he's seeing, he's hearing a lot more sex workers um, being paid by husbands to come out for their wives. Oh, wow. So a lot more openness there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. We wow. don't know why that's happening. Nobody knows why that's <laughs> no happening. Why. <laughs> yes. Wow. So. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. the quotes and more about this research. It's so fascinating from two mm-hmm. people who had – I had a movie quote to try to understand cuckolding. So <laughs> yeah. I really, really appreciate everything that you've been able to share with us today. 
Of course, absolutely. Um, and I mean, if you're looking for more information, obviously, David's book is great. The Insatiable Wives, Women Who Stray and the Men Who Love Them. Um, Open by Rachel Krantz can be really great. Um, some people have enjoyed, I've had clients tell me that they really liked Erotic Cuckolding, The Real Guide for Couples by Emma and Scott Kelly. Um Checking out Venus Connections could be a good way into it. Getting on FetLife, finding a, a subreddit that you connect with, anything there, something in Discord that can be really helpful where you just are online and you're talking to people in the community. What do you think? What do you think? Um, but another thing that gets into like female sexual empowerment, and I love it because it just, I mean, there's even bonobo sex. That's what I tell my friends. And I'm like, you've got to read this book. It just gets you thinking about like, how has female sexuality been suppressed since the beginning of time, but also in this country? And how are we still continuing that tradition? Um, but uh, Untrue by Wednesday Martin. It's mm -hmm. such a fun read. And I suggest it to all my female friends, like read this sucker. It's fun. Amazing. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yes. Just food for thought, something to consider, not trying to convince anyone of anything. Just think about it. So just saying. Where, where can our listeners continue connecting with you after this episode? Well, I am in the process of building my Instagram presence, but um, it has been slow and painful for me. I'm like... <laughs> I don't know why. It's more the technology than anything else. I've got the content. I'm ready to go. But um, but they're welcome to reach out to me at um, Jen at JenMeyerTherapy.com. And I'm happy to connect them to information that they might need or other professionals in their area, um, help them figure out if they're looking to talk to someone who might be the best fit. Um, yeah. Did you like it? Cass, a lot? can you? <laughs> what were you gonna say? You go. <laughs> This—it's my turn to talk first. Oh. We know this. If I don't, anyway, can you give us a good uh, cuckoo, like a bird? Cuckoo? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I gave give everyone a visual of what cuckolding. No, because my windows are open and I live in a place right, where probably, people will yell at me, like cuckoo, like that. That's good. Okay. Is that what it what cuckolding sounds like to you if it was a bird saying it? No, I can't picture a bird saying cuckolding. <laughs> no, I can't picture that actually. I think that's fine. Stupid. I don't I don't think birds can say words. Not in English. Probably not in other languages either, except for their own. Just responding to everyone's like whimsy <laughs> hypothetical questions with like, no, that's not right. <laughs> Logic. Yeah, my husband are talking about my husband and I are talking about that in counseling. That's something I'm working on. Oh. Okay. <laughs> do you do it or does he do it? I do it. <laughs> I respond to whimsy with <laughs> despair. I don't know. <laughs> Realism. <laughs> Well, we could start a whole other episode on that. So I'll stop us here and thank Jen so much for being on the podcast today and um, really diving into cuckolding with us. And then thank you to our listeners for making it halfway through non-monogamy month. Um, it has already been so much fun. You're three quarters of the way through now. Well, they were halfway through at one you point. You were. <laughs> yes.
That is absolutely true. And at one point, you will be all the way through. So thank you yeah. for sticking through. Glass half full. Yeah, absolutely. I apologize. Again, I'm responding to whimsy with despair. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be a poster. <laughs> I respond to whimsy with despair. And then put it on your binder. You know, we all bring something to uh, yeah. the table. Yeah. Um. Anyways, if you want to bring something to the table, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can leave a written review. Obviously, you're going to have to leave a little bird um, as the Mm -hmm. emoji if this is the episode that's going to push you over the edge and get you to say nice things about me in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But you can also rate us on Spotify. And you can Mm -hmm. also, like, answer questions on Spotify. (laughs) We get some fun response. Yeah, there's, like, a QA and a for every episode. It just says, like, what did you think about this episode? And most of the time, people are kind. Those aren't published unless we want them to be, which is kind of fun. Um, I should pay more attention to that. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that in a later meeting. I just wait for you to Um, (laughs) in our other counseling. Also, watch us on YouTube, which is really, really fun. Uh, Join our our crowd over there. And (laughs) that's all. I will say we have a lot of episodes coming up. Where video is going to be fun. It's beneficial to you. <laughs> it's totally beneficial. Mm. So that's just a little little bug in your ear about that one. A little uh, cuckoo bird in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> With that, um, we'll cuckoo right out of here. Have a great one. Cuckoo. And <laughs> <Yeah>. bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>